You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. And gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 119 of 2, 5, and 10. Benny, we are going to get right into this one. There was a bombshell released from the Chicago Blackhawks in the report of the sexual assault that took place in 2010, their Stanley Cup year, and there has been some fallout. Yeah, so everybody was kind of waiting for the report to come through. I didn't, I wasn't even expecting it to come out at this early i thought it was going to take a little bit longer i guess it didn't take that long to unravel what the fuck happened um but you never you know it's never good for the league when the wall street journal is finally talking about hockey and it's about sexual assault uh abuse people resigning like that's the only time non-sports fans hear about the league is when topper tuesday tries to kill somebody and this happens so not a good look, especially with two new TV deals. But like you said, Blackhawk, Stan Bowman's out. Should have been out a while ago just for his hockey roster building. He's out. Um, I His assistant, I think, is gone too, right? Uh, he left today or Mears left today? Probably, yeah. I was going to say that they put um, Kyle Davidson as the interim GM currently. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, so he's out. Everybody else is gone. McDonough, the team president at the time, John McDonough, not Ryan McDonough. Uh, he's been gone. Quenville is in Florida. Uh, oh, my God. Winnipeg GM. Uh, shovel day off. Shovel day off. He's gone. So the Blackhawks are also fined $2 million. There has to be additional discipline here for the organization. Um, I mean, they're going to face a pretty stiff no pun intended. I was going to say, way uh, right on cue. <laughs> you, you heard me catch myself. I was like, why did I say it like that? Um, civil penalty just for neglect and abuse because now the player, uh, was it John Beach or Kyle Beach? Kyle Beach. Kyle Beach can now point to the fact that there was criminal negligence on the part of upper management to protect him from a predator. So that's going to come into play. Um, enough of in my mind about that aspect of it, but the actual in the room meeting that happened in 2010, right before the Stanley Cup final, I think that's the most damning part of that report. Yes, they have the report here and it states that on May 23rd, 2010, a meeting took place with the Chicago Blackhawks decision makers. So, you know, this is the top of the chain. John McDonough, the president at the time, Al McIsaac, Stan Bowman, the GM, Jay Blunk, Kevin Sheveldayoff, assistant GM at the time, Joel Quenville, and Jim Gary, in which they discussed the allegations of sexual assault against their 27-year-old video coach, Brad Aldridge, by a player on their Black Aces. Now, through this report that had come out yesterday, they said multiple witnesses recalled a discussion regarding whether the time was right to address the allegations in light of the playoffs. 
Upon learning of Aldridge's alleged actions, head coach Quenville shook his head and said that it was difficult for the team to get where they are and they cannot deal with this now. Woof. Yeah, so it's not as black and white as some people make it out to be, and I'm not saying that to cover for the decision that was made because, first, it's not like he was the captain of the team doing this to somebody or your starting goaltender or the head coach. You can do without your fucking video guy for the Stanley Cup final. You, like, you can make do. I mean, just throwing it out there. The way these organizations work, there's a head video guy, there's an assistant video guy. I'm sure their AHL video guy was up yeah. with them being that deep into the year. The scouts know how to do video. They 100% could have put that into somebody else's hands. Yeah, they could have just put him on leave, not announced anything, because no, no reporter's going to be like, hey, where is that guy who cuts video? Like, they could have put him on leave and then removed him from the situation and at least taken some type of action for the, the player. I mean... I understand Quenville, though. Like, he's in that mindset. He's in it. It's just like a font, like, to be like, we can't deal with this right now. I have enough going on, you know? I mean, I, I understand in that aspect of what Quenville is possibly going through. I'm sure it's yeah. a little earth-shattering. You're kind of like why am I here for? Like, we're supposed to be winning hockey games. But on the other end, I mean, Stan Bowman, his job as the general manager of the team is to deal with his players, protect his players. And then that comes out and it's like, oh, my God. Like, at what point is enough enough? And this is the other part of this, right? So not only did Blackhawks keep Aldridge on the staff for the next three weeks, in doing so, they permitted him to allegedly make a sexual advance to a team intern during that time. So it gets better. Finally, he was given an ultimatum. Step away or to be subject to an internal investigation. Aldred opted for his walking severance, $20,622, a $15,000 playoff bonus, and his glowing performance review from Joel Quenville. Ah. Uh. Aldridge did a great job for the coaching staff in preparing us for all of our meetings and coordinating several tasks that we forward his way. Brad has several people relying on him at the same moment, and he has a way of deflecting and accommodating everyone at once. Congrats on winning the Stanley Cup. Now... You can't do that either, knowing what he did. Yes, and what is even worse is the after effect. Because then Aldridge leaves you know, quote-unquote resigns or goes to look for better opportunities, he winds up, I believe it was in juniors. Yeah, Minnesota, I think, right? With young kids. Like, what in the fuck? Like, Stan Bowman at that point, because obviously, you know, whoever he's referring to is either calling Stan Bowman. You know, you can call Stan, check my reference. And at any point when Stan knows he's going there, A, call Aldridge and be like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, after why you just had to leave, like, I don't want to blow your shit up on the other end, but you're really going to do this right now? That's it. That's worse than the meeting. That meeting is bad. As someone, and you kind of understand this, too, because I was only in the front office. You were, like, on the coaching staff. Like, you can kind of grasp where Q's coming from in that heat in a moment. And you know how Quenville is, grumpy old fuck. He was probably like, oh, I can't deal with this right now. You guys handle it. Yeah. But then they write the review, and then 
help him get hired when you could just wash your hands of it and be like, dude, I'm not writing you a review. Like, get the fuck out of here. I that, mean, to me, is worse because of the situation that happened after. That's criminal. Uh, now, we look at other other pieces of it here. And I look at Kevin Sheveldayoff. And Chevy ends up the next year as the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. And I honestly think that move was intentional for him. He wanted to get as far away from this situation as he possibly could. And what a better place than Winnipeg. It legitimately hoping that hell would freeze over and he would never have to deal with this again. Now, as a whole, right, obviously Stan Bowman has now resigned. Coach Q has an in-person tomorrow with Gary Bettman. Shevel Dayoff has an in-person on Monday with Gary Bettman. I don't they're, see how these gone. I, I don't see how they keep their jobs. Yeah. Not, not a fucking chance. And the other part of it for me is how can you allow these guys to stay here? Because now if you're Coach Q, now if you're Shevel Dayoff, the guys in the room are looking at you. Yeah. What happened? Like, how am I supposed to know that you have our back? What happened? And, I mean, what what honest response are you expecting? And another part of this where we'll get to right after is this part. So Stan Bowman resigns, resigned from the USA Hockey Olympic team that is going to be happening this year. And who does USA Hockey put in charge? Bill Guerin. Another person who was currently under investigation for an a sexual assault that happened under his watch. Yeah. Like. It's like no accountability. Like they minimize the severity of anything like this. I, I just don't get it, man. Like uh, Bill Guerin is under investigation for what had happened between two of his AHL coaches. The AHL yep. head coach had sexually assaulted the AHL assistant coach's wife on a night out in the, Pittsburgh. Correct. Right. Yep, as they were all out on a night, and they went out for dinner, and the the head coach told the assistant, oh, why don't you sit up front, and he was in the backseat groping his wife. L- let me tell you something. As a fucking man, and as a husband, I don't give a fuck who my boss is. If I found out that you groped my wife, I'm not going to put that I'm aside for the team. I'm job, because I'm not going to have one after what I do. Oh, I'd, I'd still have my job. I don't think he would. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you go into the G and you beat the fuck out of this guy and you go in the GM. He's like, what the fuck happened? I touched my wife. Yeah. I mean, as a man, what are you going to say? Oh, shit. Well, he's still living. So life's good, right? And I mean, the thing with Bowman is when it first came out, right? And they announced the investigation, he denied everything. They all did. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, I know he resigned and basically forced out. But now to try and spin it into... Oh, it was old John McDonough. I I was only a rookie GM. I didn't. It wasn't me, McDonough. He has no credibility in this at all. I'm. I mean, John McDonough was the power player in the front office for the Blackhawks. So, I totally believe that McDonough was either expected to handle it and didn't, or said he would handle it and chose not to. I so mean, I be- believe that part of it. But Bowman, even his statement yesterday. It's just 11 years ago while serving in my first year as general manager, he had to make sure he said that my first year. I was made aware of potential inappropriate behavior by a then video coach involving a player. I promptly reported the matter to then president and CEO John McDonough, who committed to handling the matter. I learned this year that the inappropriate behavior involved a serious allegation of sexual assault. 
I relied on the direction of my superior that he would take appropriate action. Looking back, now knowing he did not handle the matter promptly, I regret assuming he would do so. Um, first of all, no Listen, accountability in as, that statement. As the GM of a hockey team, you're in charge of hiring, firing, trading players, signing players, and everything else. You're trying to tell me that a member of your coaching staff now magically goes to your superior? And then also for him to say, I learned this year that the inappropriate behavior, You earlier this year you said nothing ever happened. So when did you suddenly learn about this? The day the report came out I, of a meeting that you were in? We need to know what was said in that meeting. Like, that's the biggest thing here. Like, what the fuck happened in that meeting? And then, like you said, so Batman, he's meeting with Quenville and Shovel Day off. But he also said that if Jay Blunk and John McDonough are offered a job at the NHL again, they have to meet with him first before they can accept it. So they're basically done in the league. I- I'm um, wondering this, too. Rocky Warts, the owner, is not happy about any of this. No. He came out and basically said, all three of my Stanley Cup championships are tarnished now. Yeah, because it was one of the guys who basically covered this. Yes. Now, one other thing, because I, I know we're bouncing around. There's a lot of parts here. Dan Carcillo, right? Oh, yeah. V- very vocal as to the CTE and the trauma. And, I mean, Carbomb made a career in Chicago with Coach Q. Now, do you think any of this has to do with the knowledge of this happening? Do you, you think, mean? you know, I mean... The CTE part of it, the damaging part. But now I think, well, what if it's a little bit more? What if it's Dan Carcillo? He didn't want to openly come out and say that someone was sexually assaulted. But What do you figure if you shined, shined a light on your organization, it would come out? If it would come out slowly but surely and, you know, there started maybe. being some, you know, chinks in the armor and things started falling out. Beach. Yeah, I mean, uh, poor Kyle Beach, I mean, you know, God bless this kid for dealing with what he dealt with. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks, man, like, when you think of before all this, like, a legitimate prestige and an organization and original six, and you look at the logo, you're like, fuck, man, like, the Blackhawks got it. And I know over the last couple of years, their their roster has kind of not been as good as it's been, but it seemed like this year they were finally starting to turn a new leaf, go to a new team. They brought in some new talent, brought in a really good goalie and flower. And now this. And then the start that they're having. And Colleton handed out the clipboard to the players. Oh, yeah, that was embarrassing. It stinks. It smells. Look yeah. Like there's nothing good coming out of there right now. There's organizational rot, right? So the... the uh time piece to the Stanley Cup years, which was when the rot first started, when you let something like that go and you cover for, not only cover, but you dismiss it and then also help him land another job. So you basically, once you do that, you put your, you attach your reputation to him. And that's like the lack of judgment on that, of saying like, instead of just letting him leave, which is bad enough already, but then helping him is another story. So that started the rot. Quenville leaves because Bowman had a power play. McDonough leaves. It's basically Bowman's the last man standing. And you see all the stuff that's still going on under his watch. Chicago needs to bring in someone who is either already well-known and someone who can put a 
kind of a almost like a military style atmosphere in the organization of no bullshit, I'm fixing shit, right? Or they need to bring in somebody who's young and up and coming, who's respected around the league, and and this does isn't patronizing. I'm not saying this in a way, but it kind of ticks off some of the diversity boxes that might help an organization like the Blackhawks, right? Fair, yeah. Kevin Weeks. Uh, I I do think Weeksy. Uh, who was it? Um. Oh my God, who who was the writer who got rid of us? Uh, Frankfurt Cervelli. He came out and he gave a top six of who he believes should be the next GM of the Chicago Blackhawks, and Weeks he okay. was on that list. Yeah, I think Weeks would be great. He's already well known. He's respected around the league. He's done a multitude of different jobs besides just being an analyst, and just his presence it would just show it's a fresh start. And Weeks with no old man, old boys club mentality will be able to kind of shed that from the organization and kind of root everything out, I think. But when it comes to Quenville, he's got to be gone, right? Like, you can't just suspend him if you're Batman. You can't say, all right, I'm suspending you for a month. What does that do? Well, th- this was – I had talked about this earlier with Mainzi, and y- you look at previous things, not of the NHL, just sports in general. Yeah, they're always gone. So – Tom Brady for taking the entirety of the game with underinflated footballs. Four games, quarter of the season in football, right? You look at Alex Cora, and while well, he was in Houston with and the, AJ Hinch, they both got a year. They both got a year. I mean, do you think it minimal a year for Q? Because I mean, this is the other part. He's already under contract for Florida. So I, I don't think Florida I mean, would could avoid that deal based on something like this. Oh no, no I, I understand that. I, I don't think Florida is going to eat any money on it. But it's like they suspend them for a year. What they get an interim for a year, or is Florida just kind of like we're just going to wash our hands, and not deal with this? Because I mean, that's probably what would happen. Because so here's the thing. I think Batman's going to tell him either you can resign, or I'm going to suspend you. Either way, you're going to be out of a job because Florida is waiting for Bettman to suspend him so they can then fire him for cause. Or he resigns and they're out of the contract anyway. But Quinville, if he, I would be fucking surprised. I would be disappointed. And we like you as a coach. Like, this isn't anything against him as a coach, but you can't be the leader of men. One of the most respected coaches in this league. With this hanging over your head. Now, I have a question for you, because this was something I had talked about earlier. So, Jim Montgomery, while he was with the Dallas Stars, yeah, uh, comes out that there was some inappropriate talk slash conduct with a female employee of the Dallas Stars. Uh, I mean, I don't want to assume, but it's assumed that like Jim Montgomery yeah. had also a drinking problem at that time. Gets fired, gets released from the Stars. Now currently an assistant with the Blues. Already projected to be the Blues' next head coach whenever Baruby goes or if he finds another coach and drop. So Jim Montgomery, I guess, has, has paid his paid his dues. I mean, paid his flaw, like whatever you want to call it. And then COVID had happened. You know, he, was, he took accountability for it. I think that's the difference. I agree. He he went in. He acknowledged he had a problem. He went into a program. He's coming out on the other side still mentally as one of the better hockey minds. Yeah. But do you think now on the other end, right, 
looking back, if 10 years ago, all right, we have this conversation, okay, I can't deal with it, I want to win the Stanley Cup right after the Stanley Cup, do we fire this guy? Do we fire him right when it happens? Like, what, what if anything, would have saved Stan Bowman face Coach Q and Shevel Day off? Uh, putting him on leave. Just right then and there, we'll put him on leave and we'll worry about the other shit after. Yeah, put it, put you on leave pending an internal investigation. We're not going to say why. We can say you're taking a leave for personal reasons until the investigation is over. If you're cleared, you're welcome back. If you're not cleared, you're relieved from the organization. Removes him from the situation of the player. And then still is able to show that, yeah, at the time, there were only allegations. But you're still putting the the safety and also the, not to be dramatic here, but like the sanctity of the room, the locker room with the, with the guys, the bonds there over everything else. And that would have gone a long way. And it still would have been quiet. Even if they found out that it was true and he was let go from it, I don't even think it would have been news in 2010 that, like, oh, my God, he was fired. They, nobody knows why. He would just would have been gone. I mean, like, but but that seems like the craziest part, though, right? Like, they come to him at the end and they're like, resign or we're going to put you on leave for an internal investigation. He resigns. So what do you think happened? Yeah. Uh, and why didn't they do that from the beginning? Why wait? Like, you think the guys would have been upset that the, this video guy was on personal leave right before the cup? Nobody would have noticed. And, I mean, like, the, the other part of it, too, and, like, you, you don't want to sound like a scumbag by saying it, it you could have came into the room and say, you know, you know, boys, Audrey went to the doctor. He, he's sick. He really can't be around us right now. You don't need to say what it is. You don't want to hope illness on anyone in that sense, but well, it's like... some personal shit going on that he needs to take care of. It's nothing... Like, it's nothing life-threatening, but he just won't be with us for the cup final. Move on and start talking about the game plan. Yeah, I just... Fuck, man. Like, what a bomb to drop right like, now. That's a simple... That's one of the simplest solutions to a problem. It's almost like a non-problem. It's a nothing burger. You know what I mean? Like, you could have solved that so easily, and none of this would be happening a decade later. Where people... Quenville might lose his job or be suspended. Like, the Panthers... Uh, Stanley Cup contender this year will now be out a head coach probably. The Winnipeg Jets might have to find a new GM. So what just a complete shit show for no reason other than Bowman, who I guess is relying on the fact that he was in his first year and probably didn't feel feel powerful enough yet to just make a unilateral decision like that, especially with a guy like McDonough in, in the room. McDonough not following through on anything. Quenville writing him a recommendation, which led to him fucking around with underage kids, which really snowballed all of this. Like, it's unbelievable. And if Quenville goes, like, the last question about this is, and not to always bring it back to hockey-related when it comes to real-life stuff like this, do they go outside the organization or do they promote a guy like Ulf Samuelson to head coach the rest of the year? I feel with this being where it is right now, um, maybe they give Ulf as just an interim. Yeah. But I think that the team that Florida currently has, they need to find the right guy. Like, like they would have to look, you know, near and far, like no pun intended. Like, they would legitimately have to find the right fit here, the person that would take this team to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And maybe it's uh, David Quinn. 
<laughs> uh, I don't know about that. But... <laughs> Jim Montgomery. <laughs> um, yeah, just looking back on it now, and again, we hit on this. Ten years ago was a very different world when it came to things like this, especially like guy on guy issues. Like, because it's especially in the National Hockey League, like probably just doesn't happen very often at all. So the mentality was probably different of like, let's keep it in a room. We'll handle like this. Uh, and it, it's like the old boys club that I referenced, but man, what an easy way in my mind to solve it. of just temporarily leave immediately while we, while we investigate after the same, like a final remove them from, from the situation. And I mean, do, do you think on the other end too, if you know, this was happening and Kyle beach ended up slugging the guy in the face you know, do you, do you think Beach gets in trouble for this on the other end? Or, or like, what, like, how do you think, like, what happens here? Like, that's the... the if, if, he, if he did something in, in retaliation, they would probably have to just in, in instantly start investigating the cause behind the altercation because you can't assault a coach, and then they would have found out anyway. So well, it's I'm just like, like, either way, an investigation would have had to happen if you they were handling it right. But you never hear a fucking a player assaulting a coach, you know? So, so that's where it's like some, something's going on here. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like you said, the Blackhawk organization is in need of a full rebuild from the inside out in, in terms of the organization, not necessarily the roster. It's crazy too, because I'm pretty sure he's still there. Mark Crawford, for example, where he got in yeah, trouble he's still last there. year for kicking a player that happened, you know, 10 years ago, kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so if Mark Crawford got in trouble for kicking a player on the bench in the back and one of the players said, I deserved it. Like and Crawford smelled it out. Apparently. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? Like, there's no way any of them stay. Not a fucking chance. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure there'll be more. The meeting with Batman and Quinville is Monday. Bettman and Quenville is tomorrow, Thursday, and then okay. Monday is Shovel Day off. So next week when we record, we'll have a at least by then a final decision on how those two are going to be uh, disciplined by the league. Yeah, I was going to say two more fucking resignations. Uh, I mean, fuck, man. One of the best coaches of all time is screwed himself. Like, that's all I can say. He screwed himself with this, man. Yeah. Tainted forever now. Yeah. Um, all right. So, trying to bring it back to hockey, at least. Uh, where are we moving on from here? Wherever you would like, my friend. Um, do you want to go injury report? you want to go with what's wrong in Toronto? Oh, yeah. My, my rant on injury reports. So, this is nothing new. The league has been doing this for years now. It wasn't right after the lockout. It was, I think, like a year or two after. But this lower body, upper bo body injury designation bullshit is fucking ridiculous because not only does it just withhold information from the fans, but it serves, it's, it's almost treating the fan base and the media like remember, we are maroons, like we're just fucking idiots. For example, uh, Kako a week and a half ago was involved in two pretty heavy collisions. The first one he seemed okay from, but you never, you never know. Then on the same shift, he had a second one. 
left the game and was out for a week and a half. He might be coming back this Friday the 29th against the Blue Jackets. All it was, upper body injury. We all know it's a fucking concussion. What are you doing with upper body? So you're saying it could be a spleen injury, a rib injury, could be an, an arm, arm injury, yeah. a neck injury, lungs, tongue. And then, like, today, just two examples. Nikita Kucherov had, is out eight to ten weeks after surgery on his lower body. King Drew Doughty out eight weeks with lower body. We all know it's a knee injury because it was a knee on knee fucking hit that hurt him. I've just, I know this is like an old man yelling at the sky rant, but I don't know what purpose it serves outside of this really outdated concern that, oh, if we say that Drew Doughty hurt his knee, the other team's going to focus on it. That's not how the game is fucking played. Like, obviously, if you're PK Subban, you're going to do that because you're a piece of shit. Or if you're Tom Wilson. But, most of these guys have played with each other at some point. Most of these guys will play with each other at some point, whether it's on a Canadian team, a World Cup team, on an NHL team. They're not going to go out of their way. The thing to New Orleans Saints from a decade ago, where there's bounties put out on other players, where the plan is, hey, guys, you know, uh, Jacob Truba has a bad shoulder. Let's just fucking pile drive him into the ice and knock him out of the game. That's not going to happen. So taking that out of the equation, besides just mystery, what's the point of this, these injury designations? It needs to be changed. And it's just, it's not a matter of because, oh, I don't know. It's insulting my intelligence to say, okay, Drew Doughty just had a knee-on-knee hit, but we're not going to say it's a knee injury. It's just lower body. Yeah. Did you really watch the game? Do you know if it yeah. was his right knee or his left knee? And plus, for you know, like the West Coast games, I wake up in the morning and I checked it alerts and it's like so-and-so lower body so-and-so upper body i'm like what's the severity of it yeah. do i need to look this up on youtube to see what the fucking play was like what the fuck how long day to day month lay it on me oh yeah and then it's also out indefinitely what the fuck does that mean <laughs> like there's always a time period for recovery from every injury if i sprain my ankle i know it's going to be two to four weeks not indefinitely it's going to heal at some point it's not a fucking my ankle didn't go missing. Anyway, that was my that was my quick rant on injury designations. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, or we can just jump to the mess in Toronto. No, let's go to Toronto and uh, how it's been going there lately. Yeah, I mean, I was fooled, man. I know it's early in the season. I told you I wasn't falling for that song and dance again. And again, I know it's early in the year, but my thing of... It's different this year. The makeup of the team, the things they're saying, the language being used compared to how it was even two years ago when they flamed out in the playoffs and were a disappointment. This tells me that the mindset's changed. It hasn't. They're the same team. They were who we thought they were. <laughs> Soft mentally, top-heavy, shit defense. Like, sorry, Morgan Riley is not a good defenseman. Jake Muzzin is a nice, solid guy. He shouldn't be on your first pair if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup. The rest of their defense is below average by the eye test and the advanced metric test. And again, 
Jason Spezza, besides Austin Matthews, is like this best forward this year. Guy's like 400 years old. Joe Thornton was good, better than some of their guys last year. Their bottom six is filled with absolute aging crap. So, and Sheldon Keefe, I met, I think I texted this to you. I don't see him doing anything in the games. And then after every game, no matter how bad it was, like when they lost to the Blackhawks, you know, people might look at the score and say, we were outplayed tonight. But I see some improvement. You know, we're we're playing a good game. You know, if you pay it, what is he talking about? You got outplayed by a team that never had a lead the entire season. <laughs> so, and again, the J- Jack Campbell thing, he's been playing well. Like, I don't think he's a franchise guy. I don't think he's a problem, though. It's just something is off in the room. And now it's starting to spread. Obviously, you're in Toronto. So the hockey media up there is already trying to disband, rebuild the roster. But what can you do here? You already fired Babcock. You brought in a guy that the players wanted. Nothing's changed. You're already locked in to Marner and Matthews, Nylander. That's not going to change. You already made the change in goal. What else is there to do? You're shuffling at the seats and the chairs on Titanic, apparently. I just don't know what the answer is for Toronto, except for hope that the guys the guys just turn it around. And again, Marner's going to play better. Matthews is going to get his legs under him after the injury. They're going to go on a little bit of a run because they're just too talented, even if they're top-heavy, to play below 500 all year. But there's no confidence that in a tough playoff series, this team has the fucking testicular fortitude to overcome it. If they play a team like Tampa or Boston or the Islanders, that's an easy series for those teams. Like, you have one good shutdown defensive pair, the rest is easy. And I don't know what the next step is. uh, So can you blow it up? I think they have to at some point because this has always been the issue with this team, right? So we've always seen the superstar power with their top three there. And then, you know, you add a Nylander, we'll call it four. But their issue has always been depth around it. And we know the price that they paid for everybody there is way too much. It's it's hard for a that team Marner to deal from that. is what hurts them. The, the Marner deal is hurting them. Everyone in Toronto is currently riding Mitch Marner. I mean, l- listen, I think Mitch Marner is a great player. I, yeah. Is he having a slump right now? Sure. But, I mean, Mitch Marner also does everything for that team. He's PK. He's power play. He's everything for that team. He's just, like you said, in a slump, but also mentally he just seems, like, dejected. Like, he's at a loss. He doesn't know what to do. I, I've also seen that and. This is the other thing, at least I see with this team. Outside of Jason Spezza, I I guess you could put Tavares in there too, maybe. I don't see any wildly witty veteran to kind of push them through something like this. Like, you know, they had Jumbo there last year to kind of get them in and out. They say Jumbo's one of the best personalities in hockey. You can kind of see it going on them. Like, they got John Tavares there, but between me and you, like, what adversity has John Tavares faced in his career besides signing in Toronto? None. Yeah. He, he was in New York all those years. You know, he knew what he was getting into, and he jumped ship to get out of there. Call, call a fucking spade a spade. This isn't about a dream coming true. This is about he was getting fucking paid. That's all. And now you're kind of looking for and you're like, you know, Johnny, we need a little bit more. No, they need a little bit more from Austin Matthews, who's giving them everything. 
Like, they just yeah. need another Austin Matthews on the team, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, going at it, like, I didn't trust this team. Uh, uh, when it came to picks, I-, I wasn't fond on them. I didn't think the world of them anyways, just because it was basically the same team with the bottom six kind of messed around, and I, I didn't think there was any valid or big improvements. The the biggest wild card on this team is Wayne Simmons on if he's going to fucking knock someone's head off when he goes into the corner and they're losing 7-2 to at the end of a game. Like, that's their biggest wild card right now. Yeah, Wayne Simmons is at the point of his career where I have zero respect for a guy who all he – the only thing he brings to the ice is trying to physically assault guys. Like, he does nothing else on the ice anymore. He's shit defensively. He can't score if on an empty net. So his only job – to keep him in a league is to go around and just like start shit for no reason and also in the middle of scrums kind of cheap shot guys when they're down on the ice like I have no respect for that guy anymore I mean and just putting things out there as well too there is only uh, Tampa Bay who has played 7 games has 27 goals allowed which is a lot for them 21-4, 27 allowed Toronto, 13-4, 23 allowed. Mm. 10 differential. Like, that's that's big. And if you're wondering about Ottawa, only negative four differential. So, how, how are my Rangers looking? Uh, let me go to them. I am in the Atlantic. Your boys are a minus three differential. All right. <laughs> on the way up. Can only go up from here. Yeah, and that's after a four-game winning streak. All right. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think they need some serious goaltending there. But, no, I think this offseason is going to be a crucial one to uh, – maybe they look to send out Mitch somewhere. But that's the thing. You think Dubas would do that because that's a shot to his ego because he's held firm on his team for years now. We'll get it right. We'll get it right. These are the right guys. This is the right coach. I mean, Trading Marner is like a pretty big but I think uh, at the indication same time, that he's like, yeah, I was wrong. I don't, I don't think it's a wrong thing. I think at some point you ha- you need cap relief. Yeah. And, and that's not a right or wrong thing. That's a team thing where you're like, shit, you know, Mitch is a good player, but if I get three $3 million players, it gives us a lot more depth in this lineup than fucking one $9 million player along with an 11, along with another 10 and a half. Well, they need some help on D, right? How about Warner for Chuba? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if the Rangers would do it, but... Throw a monitor on the first pair of Mika. There's a guy that, uh, Hockey Illuminati, he said in the offseason, right, when, you know, when all the Eichel rumors started happening, he goes, yeah. why doesn't fucking Toronto call Buffalo and say, we'll give you Mitch for Jack? Because what does that solve, really? Because then you have another $9 million guy, right? $10 million guy up front? Yeah, well, I was going to say, and then they'd all be centers, too. Be too yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you'd have three really good centers. Like, yeah, Eichel's your th- 3C. <laughs> yeah. He's your, he's your matchup guy. <laughs> uh, you know, Tavares 3C. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if they can – like, do you really want to waste another year of Matthew's prime right now? And you don't have Tavares in his prime for much longer. Did he even wait to the offseason? Did he make a big splash before the deadline or, like, earlier in the year? That's I, – I honestly think that's the next thing. They have to decide – like you said, are they sticking to their guns or are they on the move? That's their yeah. biggest question. Um, and that's the thing. The, uh, one of the other reasons why I wanted to bring it up was the Rangers played Toronto. That OT was fantastic, by the way. Yes. 
Um, but whenever Matthews wasn't on the ice, it didn't. No concern as a Ranger fan. No concern. No help from their back end. Like, not scared of Riley. Everybody else has shit hands. Uh, even Rasmus Sandin. Marner was in such a slump. I didn't even know he was playing until halfway through the second when it's like, oh, he, he's, he is playing. Like, I'm not even making it up. It's like, oh, shit, he is playing. Like, that's how out of it he was. And then you have Spezza, who flying up and down a wing. Like, <laughs> so, I yeah. If there's going to be one team that might uh, be very int- interesting to pick at the pieces on a, at the deadline, it might be Toronto if you're a contender this year. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's now time our first week in review of the 2021-2022 season. You want to take take us off? We can, we can kick it off here with my bees. Um, I still think we have the lowest amount of games played in the league right now at four. <laughs> uh, we actually, we just ended, we just lost to Florida. Yeah, 4-1, I think. 4-1, to one, so we're currently 3-2. and two. Uh, My Bruins as a whole this year, uh, been very up and down. I, I have not been overly impressed as to what I've seen um, going back to tonight. I really didn't get to see the game tonight. I saw a part of the first period. Um, we started off okay. We were, we were getting pucks deep. We had them beat on the um, on the shots at the end of the first period. I think it was like 14-4. to four. And then when I checked halfway through the second, I think we were already even on shots, so they definitely started making their way back. Now, going the other way, the goaltending has been, I guess, questionable would be what I would call it. Not where you it's need been, it. No, not where you need it. I guess that's fair. It's been one of those things. So Swayman got the first start on opening night there. Um, played good against Dallas, I thought. we. I thought the Dallas game overall was good. It, it was good. N- not perfect, not great. It was just good. We, we played okay. Then we had that Philly game where there was a lot of breakdowns. I mean, Swayman could have made some saves for us. We also left Swayman hung out to dry. Yeah. We got to Friday the 22nd against Buffalo, and we won the game against Buffalo, but I'll be honest with you. I thought Buffalo was the better team. Like, that first period, we were fucking god-awful. We couldn't get pucks out of our own end. Buffalo was coming up odd man rushes constantly, just getting the blue and the three on twos and plenty of shots, plenty of rubber. And I was kind of like, wow, is this kind of the same team? Like it was a little tough to watch, um, against the sharks. I, I thought we were okay yet again. And then we had the game against some good rough stuff in that game, a little bit of rough stuff there, which was good. I, I'm a fan of that. I love when Trent Frederick gets after it, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have the game tonight. We're playing Carolina tomorrow, Thursday the 28th, and then we're playing Florida on Saturday the 30th. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering as to where we finally end up here. That, that's kind of my biggest question mark because I, I don't want to say I'm quote-unquote concerned. I, I just think that our players have not played up to snuff. Um I do think Brad Marchand has come out and he's played fucking incredible so far. So keep that, you know, for that uh, low low bet, high reward for the Hart Trophy. Yeah, Hart Trophy pick. I keep getting those text messages. Yeah, but uh, he's still 
he had a thing last week where they came out to him and they told him that uh, Brad came out. He had a interview with Jim Murray and he said, you know, we're still not where we should be yet. We just have not been there. We've had a lot of breakdowns. So yes, I do think that uh, the Bruins are very much so a, a work in progress and. We'll see where it goes. I know Connor Clifton has already been pulled out of the lineup once. He's back in it. They put John Moore in. I, Ugh, I think God. our D does need – we need some work. We need some work. I guess that's the uh, – Yeah, it's McAvoy and, and, and friends. Ma- yeah, McAvoy and whoever the flavor of the week is. But <laughs> I, I did notice we have already taken Forbort off with McAvoy and already put Grizzly there. So – Oh yeah, that makes sense. Forward sucks, man. Yeah, I don't know no. what that deal was. I I think it was just he he plays a lot of PK time. Like I think when we signed him, he had like three and a half minutes of PK a game, like average. And like, yeah, I get it. We need a guy, but he was not going to be a fucking top pair defenseman with Trump. Yeah, that was just not it. He's so, not a top pair guy in LA, and they were rebuilding. Yeah, so that's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I just think haven't found a mood. We have we've only played five games. I think we're finally starting to almost get to the every other day thing, game tomorrow, game Saturday, then we wait until Thursday to play again, and then it gets almost closer to every other week. So uh, hopefully, slowly but surely, we're getting there. Yeah, it's hard to get into a rhythm as a team when you're not playing that frequently. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Goaltending bouncing around, I think, in the next couple of games, I think they're finally going to have to make a decision as to who's the 1A, who's the 1B, and start riding guys a little bit more. Because up until now, it's been a even sweep. I, I think Linus has played one more game than Swayman has. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers side of it, we've definitely played a few more games than you. Uh, we won four in a row until we lost this past Monday night at home against the Flames, who looked, at least early on, really good. Better than I expected. Um but I think early on, the theme with the Rangers is trying to find. It's actually it's two things. One of them is what one of the things you pointed out as well, which reinforced that I wasn't hallucinating. But Gallant's still trying to find the right combos because there are a few holdovers that have been on the team for the last couple of years who have been playing with the same guys. There are a few new guys like Sammy Blay and Barkley Goodrow trying to get mixed in, trying to figure out where they fit. So Gallant has no hesitation, even in-game, to just changing up all four lines at one time and trying to find something. The Rangers' goal scoring hasn't really been there to start the year so far. Um, I think I don't think we've scored more than three goals in, the, in a game this year, which is, you know, and winning four in a row, that shows the type of goaltending we were getting with Shesterkin. Uh, it looks like for a while there they have Panarin and Mika on the same line kind of loading up. The only issue with that is with Strom and Kako out, your second line was Filipito, Sammy Blay, and Lafreniere. And I know Lafreniere and he's a little talented, but got to kind of spread the wealth a little bit. So Strom came back against Calgary. Uh, so they reunited Strom, Panarin. They put Barkley Goodrow on that line, which I said when they signed him they were going to do. Like, there was the most telegraph thing in the world. Um, the issue is Kako, again, where is he fitting? And they already have Kreider playing on his offing on the right side to accommodate Kevin Lafreniere in the top six. Lafreniere, I don't think, has 
done anything to cement himself in the top six. Like, oh, there's no way you can remove him, at least to start the year. So when Kako comes back, do you move Kreider back to the left side on Mika, put Kako on right wing, and then slide Lafreniere to the wing with Hito and Blay? Do you put Blay, Hito, and Kako together? So there's a couple different ways Gallant can go about it. The issue is the whole Kravtsov situation, Vitaly Kravtsov. They were expecting him to be the third line right wing. Another offense-minded guy, talented young prospect. They were probably planning on having him, Heedle, and Blay play together. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And there's a whole... I can go into it next week. Actually, that's what I'll do. I'll go into a little history lesson with him and the whole Chris Drury fighting for the last two years. But he's gone. He's not going to play for the Rangers. So when Kako was out, now you're down to the right wing of Kreider playing on his off wing, Barclay Goodrow, Ryan Reeves, and Dryden Hunt. Not not a very good right side on your forward group. So I think that's contributed to the lack of goal scoring. Um, I think they'll be fine. You have Shoman Panarin, you put Goodrow there. You have Kreider and Sabanajad. You can put one of Lafreniere and Kako there. Sammy Blay has been better than advertised in a sense of the hands that he has, he's still a meathead. He takes at least one bad offensive zone penalty a game. I don't understand what the fuck he's doing half the time. But big body likes to hit. Reeves, whatever, he was, he left a game in the first period against Calgary, same before at Lindgren. So we'll see if the three days off between games helps him get back. The issue, the only other issue on the back end is the system that they're playing I don't know if it's a combination of it being a new defensive scheme and it's early in a year or if it's that plus the fact that the system doesn't fit the personnel they have in the back end. And you notice this against the Senators. They like to give up the blue line and let the guys come in, but we're not athletic enough to recover probably the way Gallant wants outside of uh, Keandre Miller. And we give up a lot of second and third chance opportunities because of that we give up a lot of zone time by the time we get the puck back especially against the flames and senators the last two games we don't have time to make a play where the guys are a little bit gassed and you can tell all they're trying to do is get the puck out of the zone which just gives possession right back to the opposing team so i don't know if there's a scheme change that needs to be made after a few more maybe galan's waiting to see if the system will kind of take in and then he'll change it but yeah, you can't have Chuba for all the crazy eyes and physical play that he brings in a big right-handed shot trying to be the most athletic guy out there. You can't have Patrick Nemeth, Nemeth who, to be honest, is fucking brutal. And we gave him a three-year deal. Uh, keep running him out there. Lindgren is not the most physically uh, gifted guy. And we're having him play the system, so... I'm hoping it's just learning and it's going to kind of run its course over the next like one, two, three weeks. Because if it's not that, then we have a decision to make in terms of does Gallant need to change his defensive scheming? Because he does like to play man to man. You see our defensemen up at the blue line all the time because they're following their guy. Uh, I just don't know if we're athletic enough to play that type of system with the guys we have in place. Um, but yeah, in goal, Igor is Igor to start the year. He's been playing lights out. Uh, can't really ask for anything more. I know he had his first clunker of the year against Calgary, but that's going to happen. Um, other than that, the 
vibe around the team. It's noticeably lighter. The guys are sick enough for each other, which you're going to get when you bring in guys like Reeves, Goodrow, and Hunt, um, and Sammy Blay. But I know it's just a different feel. Even when they're not playing well, it's not like they're there's a black cloud hanging over them. Like, oh fuck, here we go. It's they they work through it, and that's an encouraging sign so far. So, as a whole. Do you like where the team is? Do you not? It kind of seems like you're a little 50-50, a little split on it as of this point. Yeah, just because it's all new, right? So I don't know if they're going to recover from some of the trouble areas they have because of a new coaching staff. Or, so like, it's a little too early for me to tell. If they're still playing like this around Thanksgiving, I'm going to be a little more concerned. Okay. But I just have trust in a guy like Gallant that he's not going to keep trying to put a – square peg into a round hole if it's not working. And the Rangers offense when healthy, they just have too many they're not French they, they're not obviously not as talented as the guys up in Toronto, but they're talented enough where they're not going to be scoring two goals a game all year long. Uh Panarin hasn't even gotten go- going yet, uh to be honest. And the offense seems fine. I don't have any issues there. Uh, but they do still need I've been saying this since I was like six, but they're face off skills are terrible as well like against toronto they lost 80 percent on yeah, a face-off yeah, circle that, that's a lot yeah i think they're the team percentage right now is 46 percent. 46 like, wow yeah yeah it's it's not good so and that's been a recurring theme for rangers for as long as i can remember coaches have come coaches have gone different guys have come in we just are never good on face-offs <laughs> Like we're out there late in the game, down one with Kevin Rooney taking a face off because we need we need to win the draw. <laughs> that can be tough. That can be tough yeah. to win games. So early in the year, we'll see where it is in a couple of weeks. It's just the vibe just feels different. So that also helps with the confidence in that they'll figure it out. All right. So other than that, next week we'll start bringing in picks of the week. I like um, that. Yeah, we'll start off fresh next week. Yeah, start fresh next week top of the month and also uh gives a little bit gives us two weeks to get into the flow of it because you have two bad weeks in the beginning of the year one of us is fucked <laughs> uh, uh, in fairness it's usually you but, yeah um, <laughs> no um, and you beat me by one last year that's why maybe i'm holding out <laughs> I just, yeah exactly wait till the end and see if we can break even oh, um any shout outs Shoutouts this week. Um, no, I, I I'm I'm good today. I'm I'm a good boy today. I don't want to cause any problems. I don't want to pick favorites. So no shoutouts today. But you know, next week, just like the picks of the week, I'm gonna have my little list, and everyone's gonna be happy. You just made it to the list. That's it. Exactly. We handed it out. I, I've been uh, I started at work. I've been telling people if they do good by me, and you know that's all that matters. I don't care if they do good by anyone else, as long as they do good by me during the day, they get Kevy's Gold Star of the Day. And I hand it <laughs> out at the end of the day, put on the board a little ceremony, and I pull out, and they get to see who gets the gold star. So life is good for all them. The gold star. That's it, baby. Um, I mean, if we're being honest here. When when am I going to be getting my uh, post dinner foot rub? You should be getting one. <laughs> uh, let's see, November thirteenth. Yeah, that's. I was going to give the shout out for you for uh, coming down for the Bruins Devils game and 
possibly that charity game after. I know the after party is probably not going to go down for you guys, but... <laughs> yeah, I'll say... Um, I, I, need, I, I need to meet Hank, man. <laughs> I'll say th there will be an after party. I just don't know if it'll be with you or not. That's all. So I know it's still a couple weeks away, but is the plan to come down Saturday morning or come down Friday night and then have Saturday? So that's where I, I don't know yet because so I'm off the Thursday. So okay. I'm thinking of just putting a vacation day in Friday and coming Friday. I just okay. don't know what the other guys are capable of doing because it's supposed to be me and you. So you're already in New York. Uh, Mr. Murph, who's already in New York, and then me, Kevin Strat. That that would be the either. Gotcha. So they might not be able to go down on Friday. Yeah, so it might be like an early Saturday morning head out and then, you know, crash Saturday night and then head back Sunday morning at some point. Okay, well. Depending on what time you guys, because the game is a one o'clock game. One right? o'clock, yeah. So that was our other thing too. So I'm like, do we just drive straight to Newark, or do we drive to Murph's and then all just take the T in? Well, not the T. You guys are like the train the or the metro or <laughs> the, whatever it's the called. Subway. The subway. That yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we can figure that out. The only issue is after the game. I know you guys are going to be feeling pretty toasty driving back from Newark to the city. Yeah, that that was my other thing too. So. If we don't make it to the charity game, I know that the Newark, the Prudential Center, is actually in Ironbound over there. Yep. And with that, there's actually a very big Portuguese community over there. So I'm thinking to hit a nice little Portuguese restaurant, get some dinner, a little sober up, and then head back after to make it a little bit better. Okay. And I was asking, I forgot it was at 1 o'clock. I thought it was at 3 o'clock. It's like, oh, if, but it, depending on what time you got down here in the morning, we could do a quick little live uh episode i mean if worse comes to worse maybe we just do a live one after before the charity thing and then just keep going that's true so the game will probably end like three thirty, four o'clock the charity game is at seven thirty. and how close is this east orange to newark oh from newark so from prudential um it's probably like a i mean we could probably uber there if we wanted to but it's if we wanted to take public transit it's probably like a 25 30 minute uh like bus ride okay it's not it's not that far at all and then the after party which i will be going to and i'll meet you guys after once i meet hank i'm good um is like a minute walk away from the arena oh so you're right there then yeah so okay. go to the game go to the walk to the bar after they have open bar three course buffet i'll down a couple of drinks have a little grub meet hank tell him that I love him as much as a heterosexual man can love another man. Take a photo, which will be the ugliest photo I will, will ever take in my life, um, standing next to him, then find my way back to you guys. I mean, at any point, right, are you are you <laughs> just going to, like, ask Hank, like, hey, Hank, does this rag smell like chloroform? And just, like, over his nose, <laughs> and, like, we could just bring Hank anywhere we wanted to. <laughs> so the other thing is Hank is doing a studio analysis for MSG Network this season not every game but i think it's like one game a week and i'm like msg studios where they film are is right across the street from the garden i should just take the subway in in like two hours before game time and they just standing outside waiting for him to show up <laughs> i mean that's not a bad idea either i mean as long as you know which game he's working you're golden but yeah so i'm hoping i'll be able to say something when i do meet him besides just like i love you man <laughs> yeah you're like Hey, do you want to come on the pod? And he's probably just going to smile and giggle. And be like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
Uh, but yeah, so that's, I'm looking forward to that. You in town, live hockey game, maybe record an episode, go see. And again, so even a charity game, I know that I'm only talking about Hank, but Missing Curfew is going to be there. Yep. Uh, I think Scott Hartnell is going to be there. A heart scene, uh, nice. Brian Berard going to be there. A couple of guys. So it's going to be a nice little turn off of the game. So, you know, maybe we just, maybe Mr. Murph's company is actually sponsoring the event. So we'll just <laughs> go there. Hey, listen, anything that helps. That's it. I'll, 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 I'll call the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that weekend. And uh, depending, but again, like the last time you came down, you came down with Big Kev and you stayed in a city, but if you wanted to crash with me, you get to meet the Coopster. That's true. I mean, it, it, me and the Strat Daddy might have to have a uh, bunk bed. Like me, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll sleep on top, and then you know uh, the the Cobe can be like our little meat in the sandwich. It would be great. Listen, I got I got one queen size bed and one sofa, so you guys will have to divvy it up. However, <laughs> I, I'm snuggling. I'm in the bed, so <laughs> whoever wants to snuggle me is in. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but. That's it on my end, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, buddy. Well, hey, you be good. As always, everybody, we will catch you all next week for another jam-packed episode of 2, 5, and 10. Picks, review, all the good stuff, nothing but the best. And I I just can't wait to hear this in person. Benny, hit him with it. Bye-bye. I'm afraid of no ghosts.